The campfire destroyed nearly everything in its path, but in Helltown, a few of the community's icons were spared. That's thanks to four friends who stayed behind and battled the fire. We now turn to independent producer Matt Fiddler, who learned the details of why the old schoolhouse and the Centerville Museum are still standing. Alan Hawthorne is part of Friends of Butte Creek and longtime resident of Butte Creek Canyon. He was the first person to tell me about a group of guys who have recently become known as the Helltown Hotshots. They saved this tremendously historical uh, building here, and, and the museum is, is absolutely chock full of priceless artifacts. Uh, it would have been just a, a horrible tragedy to have lost that, but... Uh, fortunately, we have a little bit of our history that survived, and uh, thanks to the hotshots. To be clear, these are not professional fire jumpers, and they let me know how much they have respect for actual hotshots who jump into the middle of wildfires to fight them. These guys are just locals who grew up in Butte Creek Canyon. Greatest place on earth. And uh, This is Dharma LaRocca. He now lives in Chico, just off Bruce Road, but his family still lives up the canyon. My mom and dad live in Helltown, where I was raised. My sister lives by the Steel Bridge, which is on Centerville, and my other sister lives about halfway down. On the day the fire started, his house became kind of a gathering point for friends and family who live up the canyon. Now we're talking about four or five o'clock, everyone's there. I got, I got my block is full, the smoke is thick. We get a rumor that... Uh, in Helltown, where I grew up, we have a studio. It's called Helltown Sound Studio. And there was a rumor from our, my brother, Pavi, that they had the studio's on fire. I go, if the studio's on fire, Helltown's gone. So my brother-in-law, Jason, and one of my best friends, Jeb. Uh, my name is Jeb Sisk. We're like, we can't sit around. We need to go find out what's going on. I think mostly just us wanting to go back in and, and watch it happen from a distance, if not be able to stop it, just to, to witness it. We jump in the, my brother-in-law Jason's truck. We're like, we're going to go investigate. Now about six, this is about six o'clock. So it's just about dusk, about this time. Bruce Road is mayhem. It's just mayhem. There's sirens, lights everywhere, thick smoke. We're going to go shoot up the Highway 32. We took a bunch of back roads, but we started with Old 32 to avoid the CHP roadblocks. So we got around the roadblocks through a couple back roads. And we'll go all the way down to where you hit, it's called Center Gap Road. We turn the truck off. It's something that I'll never forget in my entire life. It's the canyons on fire. You're looking across the canyon. We're on top of the canyon, and we're looking down at Butte Creek Canyon and across the wall, and you're seeing it's the fingers, like all the, you know, the crap where it's coming off paradise, and it's coming down all the cracks or the, you know, the, it's just, it, and you just see red shooting down. It looks like lava flow. It was also on the same ridge we were on, but further down canyon, so it's burning up towards us. As we look down, we see some taillights in the bottom of the canyon. Wow, there's someone down there. What the heck? And my, at this point, my, I thought it was our, our uh, Uncle Billy, because it's kind of erratic driving. We have our friend Billy, we call him. You know, he's kind of like, run, he runs a little fast. <laughs> we go, there's Uncle Billy. He ain't left yet. He's driving around. He's, he's, you know. And then Jason goes, no, no, that's, 
That's our buddy. Who would rather be called Sam for this story? He's an off-duty firefighter who also grew up in the canyon with Jeb, Dharma, and Jason. Grew up in the canyon with them, so, uh, you know, kind of guys I looked up to and I've known them for as long as I can remember. Sam returned to his home in the early afternoon, right after he heard that the fire was spreading, so he could check on his home and possibly protect it. Kind of when I came into Butte Creek Canyon, it was like a ghost town in there. And once I got home and I got out of my car and parked, I could hear propane tanks in the Paradise and Megalia area just exploding. And it just sounded what I would envision. I've never been to war, but what I would envision, it would, a war would sound like it was just, you would just hear boom. And then a few minutes later, boom. And a few minutes later, boom. And you could hear that coming over the ridge line into Butte Creek Canyon. That's, that was the echoing and uh, I went up to my house, you know, and, and grabbed um, my, my folks live in the area, my aunt and uncle live in the area. And, and I went and ran to each house and made sure that we had everything, you know, things off of the porch and kind of got the houses ready. And we, I went to my house and I pulled all my important stuff and put it in a car just in case. Then at that point was when I kind of started looking around and I made the decision, obviously, that I was going to stay and I was going to do everything I could for my house and my loved ones and, and the people that I grew up with. So it was a bit later that evening when he gets a phone call from his buddy Jason, who says he's up Center Gap Road and can see him at the bottom of the canyon. And he's like, yeah, I see your headlights, you know. And and uh, Jason asked me, he said, should we come down? And I was like, yeah, if you want to, I could use some help. Um, but I remember looking up to Center Gap and he's like, yeah, I think we can make it down Center Gap. And I remember looking up and I was like, Center Gap's on fire. I don't think you can. Center Gap Road is like, it's on the side of a cliff. I mean, it's visually, it, it skirts right down the canyon wall. So it looks to me like it's on fire. Looking from the bottom of the canyon, looking back up to the ridge, it looks like it had burned over Center Gap Road. But up on top of the ridge, they thought it looked passable. At that point, we're like, our brother's down there. We have a friend down there. Myself, I was reluctant at first, but um, we realized it could be done. Jason goes, jump in the truck. And Jeb and I were like, is that what we're doing? And we all looked at each other. And uh, at this point, Center Gap Road is on fire. Roll the windows up. So we drove through a couple flames um, to get down in there, but nothing life-threatening. They make it down and meet up with Sam, who you'll remember is an off-duty firefighter. And Sam was relieved that they not only made it down Center Gap Road, but that they were there to help. It was kind of a breath of fresh air for me. I was like, okay, cool, I'm not in this by myself now at this point. And yeah, I mean, just having some boys that, you know, know the area, I mean, it made me feel real confident, real, you know, and just made me feel, uh, we're in this together and we're gonna do, you know, what, what we can. Sam gave them some basic safety instructions and they immediately start working on saving a home that was in the fire's path. And the cedar fence was on fire. So they take a chainsaw and cut the fence away from the house to save it from crawling into the house. And Jason's like, I'm gonna go to my house. He, my brother-in-law lives right there. He's, I'll be right back with some shovels and my excavator. An excavator has that big mechanical shovel arm that can dig ditches and knock things over and can travel on all sorts of terrain on its heavy duty tracks. Meanwhile, Dharma, Jeb, and Sam remain knocking down fences, trying to save his neighbor's homes. At that point, we save those three homes <laughs> by cutting the fence down. We drive across the steel bridge and the fire's blazing on the other side. Here comes my brother-in-law with the excavator and across the bridge is another home right there by the steel bridge. It's a, it's a modular home, like those, it's nice. And my brother-in-law instantly 
drives his excavator up in there. It's surrounded by fire. These people had uh, piles of wood stuff all around their house. He's taking the excavator and hitting them like golf clubs. He's he's whacking everything, just getting the, the wood is on fire. And I think that house got some burns, but nothing. Um, my brother-in-law saved, you know, with the excavator, kind of cleared all the piles around it that were all on fire. At this point, they have Jason's ATV as well, and they're going to save their community of Helltown. There's four of us break up in a couple groups, and uh, we had this line, we the Centerville Road, up to the cemetery, and we, we, we figure we can hold and keep an eye on about two miles. And that's what they did. They patrolled the area, putting out spot fires, creating fire breaks where they needed them. And they felt safe doing this, not just because of the instructions from Sam, but because of their knowledge of the area. They grew up here, and they knew how to get to safety. If anything ever happened to us, we're going to run down. We're all going to meet at the, at the steel bridge and meet underneath the bridge and jump in the water if we have to. So we had a meeting spot. Meanwhile, the fire was coming down the canyon walls from the south, from Paradise, closing in on the historic Centerville Schoolhouse and the museum. It was flying down. You could just hear it cracking and burning, coming down to the Centerville School. And my brother-in-law, Jason, goes, watch my back. I'm like, what are you doing? And he, and he drove around this little dirt road, and he went around the schoolhouse and the museum and started taking the excavator and digging a trench and kind of cutting a, a path as the flames are coming down the hill. Like, they're coming down, he, he probably cuts about a 40-yard ditch, you know, maybe four four feet wide. He's taking the excavator and he's kind of like golfing and just knocking things out of its way. And then I'm yelling, hey, man, it's on you now. And he makes the turn right at the edge of the schoolhouse. He cuts a trail right around like a little half moon. It was perfect the way the fire came and hit that half moon and went like... And I'm yelling at him, you got to get out of there, you're done, man. And he turns around, and right as he turns around, he blows a track on the excavator. He blows a track on the excavator, the fire hits the track. Burnt rubber's blown. He's limping out of there, you know, like the track. The machine stopped. Yeah, the machine was shipwrecked at the Centerville Schoolhouse for about a month and a half after this fire. But the fire line worked. The trench or the swath that he cut was enough to divert it around both sides of the school. So it burnt around the museum all the way to the road, and it came around the other side and burnt. And my brother-in-law saved the schoolhouse, and then he blew a track, and the, the, the excavator was done for the night. But they didn't stop there. The fire was still raging all over, not to be put out in the canyon for days. But they thought they could protect the community until the fire department arrived. That whole night we held, we would drive back and forth from the flumes, which is the top of Centerville, uh, down to the steel bridge all night long. In the meanwhile, we're at Jeb's house where the fire did a complete 360 around this beautiful house. Uh, we fought the fire all the way around the house, cut a couple trees. Uh, luckily there, they had a natural spring where they had a little, I mean, a little bit of water off the spring. And they were able to use the water from that spring to help put out spot fires and managed to save Jeb's house. And they worked like this most of the night. We went up and down the canyon road and knocked out spot fires and cut limbs for, from, I'd say, eight, eight at night to at least 
11, 12 the next day. They'd managed to find some food to eat and take a quick breather when finally they saw a fire engine piercing through the smoke to save the day. Yeah, yeah, and I looked down the road, and here comes the fire truck, and the, and I kind of, I put my shovel up in the air, kind of like, uh, there might be something out of Braveheart or something, like, you know, freedom, like, the cavalry's coming, we got help, and it turned out, and he, you know, slams on the brakes, and he says, what have you been doing, you're not certified firefighter, and I, I got yelled at. <laughs> Dharma, Jeb, Jason, and Sam are now known as the Helltown Hotshots, an honorary title given to them by their community that they helped save. And they all want everyone to know just how much they are thankful and how much they respect the firefighters who relieved them of their work and continued to protect Helltown and Centerville as the fire burned in the canyon for the next several days. And Sam, who is an off-duty firefighter, doesn't want untrained people to start fighting fires themselves. Because when there are unaccounted civilians in a fire zone, it refocuses the effort of the firefighters. So please, don't try any of this at home. That could inhibit the firefight, and it could put a lot of stress on the fire department based on um, not only trying to put the fire out and save structures potentially, but also now we're worried about lives. And if we, have, if we don't have accountability for where people are, that's our number one goal and priority always is life. For NSPR News, I'm Matt Fiddler.